like we have already mentioned, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Each year, Advent falls on the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas Day. Now, there are a lot of different traditions associated with Advent. We just talked about the Advent wreath, which is a great tradition that we do here in the church. It's actually one of my favorites. Some families at home have Advent calendars that count down to Christmas Eve. Uh, there's one I have my eye on. I don't think I'm going to get it by today, though. That's a different tea bag every day. So there are all these different flavors of tea. That seems really fun. Um, if you are more adventurous, you may have like a wine calendar or a coffee calendar. Or sometimes there's even sock Advent calendars. A lot of churches have what is called a hanging of the green service, where they talk about the different symbols of the Advent season, and we actually had our very first hanging of the green service here at Christ United in traditional today. Here at our church, we also offer daily Advent devotionals that are written by the pastors during the weeks of Advent that you can subscribe to through email. So there are a ton of different ways to practice Advent in the life of the church and in our own lives at home too. And these traditions vary across the nation and the world amongst Christians. I was Googling about Advent because how else do you prepare for a sermon? And CNN actually put out this really great article about how Christians all over the world practice Advent in different ways. It's worth a Google if you're bored later today. I really believe that having some type of practice or ritual or tradition during Advent can really add to our understanding and to just the whole uh, beauty of the season. Advent is all about the anticipation of Christmas Day. It is about preparing our hearts for the birth of Christ. Advent also marks the very beginning of the church calendar. So it's kind of like our own new year. If you are new to the church and are not familiar with Advent, it is not something to be intimidated by or to feel like it's just one more thing to add to your plate. Instead, Advent is more about tuning our hearts toward the beauty of Christmas morning and keeping each of us focused on how impactful this time of the year can be for us. On the first Sunday of Advent, we center ourselves around the word hope. That's the candle we lit together today, and it'll be the focus of our message this morning. As we begin this season of Advent together, what are you hopeful for? Are you hopeful for more time with family and friends? Are you hopeful for maybe a new outlook on life? Are you hopeful for a more meaningful Christmas season? We all come through these doors hopeful for something. What's pulling at your heart today? 
Our scripture reading this morning will be from the book of Isaiah, which, yes, is in the Old Testament, and it is way before the birth of Christ, but that is kind of the beauty of the Bible, that it is literally one continuous story, and we can see these threads from the Old Testament that make their way into the New Testament. They're not always exact callbacks or references, but the inspiration between the Old Testament and the New Testament is evident and inspiring, and you'll hear just what I mean in a minute. In today's scripture reading, we are going to be introduced to a guy named King Ahaz, who is the king of Judah. So, Judah was kind of this southern kingdom of Israel, so the the Israelites who lived there lived in Judah. The rest of the Israelites lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, but King Ahaz is our focus, and he's here in the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. So he is the king of Judah. And he is threatened by two other kingdoms, one of which is Israel. So yes, two kind of Israelite groups are competing, fighting against each other, um, and Syria. And then there's this other group at the top called Assyria with an A, which is different than Syria. Y'all, it's real confusing. If you need a history lesson, go listen to Chris Dowd's sermon. But for us here, the main point is to know King Ahaz is over Judah, and Israel and Syria want Judah to be on their side to fight with them against the Assyrians. And then King Ahaz is faced with this decision. He could join them to fight against the Assyrians, which are like the mega bad guys, or he could kind of align himself with the Assyrians, who he believes will probably win and be victorious. God is telling King Ahaz to take a step back and not play into these political kind of things that are happening in the world. God wants King Ahaz instead to put his trust in God and to trust that these conflicts will soon fade away and they're not the be-all, end-all right now. So King Ahaz is faced with this decision. Will he trust God or will he join with the Assyrians who seem to be the likely conquerors? Isaiah is a prophet. He is who our scripture reading comes from today. And he counsels King Ahaz to trust God and to put his trust into God, his trust and his hope. That's where we'll pick up the story. We're going to be in Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 17. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to King Ahaz, Ask a sign from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as the grave or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I won't ask. I won't test the Lord. Which, you guys, pause right there. Sounds like he's like, oh, no, God. I would never put a you to a test. But really, he doesn't need a test because he's already made a decision. Okay, let's keep going. Then Isaiah said, listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you were also tiresome before my God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. 
He will eat butter and honey and learn to reject evil and choose good. Before the boy learns to reject evil and choose good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring upon you, upon your people, and upon your families days unlike any that have come since the days of Ephraim, since the day Ephraim broke away from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Before we get into these obvious parallels we see to Mary and Jesus, we need to know that King Ahaz does not put his trust in God. Instead, King Ahaz sides with the Assyrians and goes against Isaiah and ultimately God. God offers him a sign, and he basically says, nah, that's cool, no need for a sign, God. King Ahaz already knows he isn't going to go with God. And still, God tells him, no, I will still give you a sign. It's a sign that sounds super familiar to us today, especially those of us in the church. A young woman will have a son and name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The son will reject evil and choose good. It's not hard for us to draw the parallels here to Mary and Jesus. It's a prophecy that has this lasting influence throughout the Bible. So what does it mean for God to offer King Ahaz and the people of Judah a sign of Emmanuel, God with us? What does it mean for God to offer all of humanity this gift, a promise to be with us here on earth? Not as a distant God speaking through other people, but a living, breathing God that's fully human and fully divine. As a child, I remember having a really difficult time grasping the power of God. Was God like Santa? I was told that Santa knew when I misbehaved and that Santa would take that into account as Christmas approached. So was that how God was too? God could see how I acted behind closed doors. God could see the true nature of my heart. And with those questions came this fear. Would God love me less when God saw all of my mistakes and failures. It's a really complicated concept, not just for children, but for us adults too. Then we throw in this word, Emmanuel, God with us, and it can be even more complicated. Do we really want a God that is that close to us, that sees exactly us as we are here on earth? Our son, Miles, is almost two and a half years old. He is in the preschool here at the church, and he also goes to the nursery and Sunday school on Sunday mornings. Miles spends a lot of time with both of our sets of parents because they both live pretty close. All of this to say, our son spends time with people outside of me and my spouse. 
Miles is not perfect. He is two and a half, and he has a lot of big feelings. But on the whole, when we go to pick Miles up from his time with other people, they always talk about how joyful Miles is and what a sweet kid he is. And almost always, after Miles has been away from us for a while and comes back home to us, he has a complete meltdown. There are tears, there are screams, there are pushes, there are demands for apple juice, which we've never had apple juice ever. It's all, it seems almost mind-blowing that it is the same kid that we just heard all these other adults praise and say great things about. If you are a parent, you have definitely experienced this before. We start asking ourselves what it is we must be doing wrong, that our kid is so great for everyone else, but not for us. We wonder if maybe our kid just doesn't like us as much as he likes other people. It's exhausting, and it can really get a parent down. But as I have lived into this reality a little longer, I have come to learn, like most parents have, that it's not we as parents who are doing anything wrong. It's not that our kid hates us or that we aren't as fun or understanding as other adults in their life. Instead, it's the complete opposite. We get our kid with all of their feels and all of their meltdowns because they feel safe with us. They're able to come home and let their guard down and express themselves in ways that they may have been holding back while at school or with their grandparents. Our kids need spaces where they know they can let out all of those really big feelings and that when they do so, even in negative ways, they'll still be held, they'll still be loved, they'll still be cared for. Something inside of our son knows that even when he screams and cries and pushes us, we'll still tuck him into our arms and hold him tight. We will still tell him, I love you. We'll still sing to him before bed. He knows that we will be with him. He's put his hope in us and our commitment to care for him. Maybe you're not a parent and still you know this feeling too. You have those safe spots in your life. Those friends that you can just scream and cry and vent to and know that they won't judge you or hold it against you. Those parents in your life who you can call after a long day and all they have to say is, oh, honey, and you just completely melt down. In our lives, there are people who provide hope to us in the form of safe spaces. Spaces where we can unabashedly be ourselves and not worry about being judged or abandoned or forgotten. God offering a child to the world as Emmanuel, as God with us, is 
the example of hope. It is the example of God coming to earth to show us we are worthy enough to be seen and heard and cared for. God is not someone keeping all of these tallies of the mistakes and failures that we've made, but instead, God is someone who provides hope in every single one of our missteps. Even though King Ahaz is not going to put his trust in God, even though King Ahaz says, nah, I don't need a sign, God, still God pursues him. God tells King Ahaz that his enemies won't be a threat forever. God promises to send a sign. God continues to invite the king to faith over and over and over again, even when the king pushes God away. The promise of a child being born is one we come to, to see in fruition in its own ways throughout the New Testament with the birth of Christ. God sends a son who generations will refer to as Emmanuel, God with us. A son who gives himself for each of us and with that sacrifice offers us all new life. Through this promise, through the birth of Christ, each one of us is given hope. Hope that we have a safe space to land. Hope that we have someone who can take all of our crying and screaming and pushing and still say, I love you. God with us doesn't mean that God is here to judge or abandon or forget, but God is here to listen to our cries and our screams. God can take our pushes and all of our big feelings as this Advent season begins, my prayer for each of us gathered here is that we feel confident to be our true selves with God. That we don't come with fake smiles or walled off hearts, but instead we come honestly and hopefully to the manger this season. Because God calls us to have faith. And God knows how often we struggle to have just that, to have faith. And still, God pursues us and calls us into God's arms where we are beloved and we are accepted. Advent is a season of anticipation, a season of preparation, a season of celebration. It's also a season of invitation where God reminds each of us that our hope can rest safely in God's hands and we have nothing to fear because God is with us. Amen.